Kia ora, I'm Karen O'Leary and this is Full Disclosure. We're going to talk to politicians, builders, actors, writers and media personalities to find out how coming out was for them. This podcast is bursting with pride to be supporting Rainbow Youth. Joining me in the Full Disclosure studio is well-known and well-respected journalist and broadcaster Ali Moore. For 20 years, Ali was host of a number of news and current affairs television programmes. These days, Ali is a senior journalist at Stuff and the editor of the Hashtag MeTooNZ project, investigating sexual harassment in workplaces around Aotearoa. The gender honestly didn't matter. This was a new experience for me. It was unexpected. I was just thinking, wow, what is this that I'm going through? What, are, what is happening? When I heard that you were agreeing to come and talk today, I must admit I was actually a little bit terrified and nervous because my favourite celebrity people are news journalists. So yeah, I used to have a massive crush on John Campbell and I would be... Doesn't everyone? Well, this is the thing. He was one of the two men I said I'd turn straight for. But now that I know him, <laughs> that no longer applies. No pressure, John. Well, he knows. He, he, sent, he sent me a lovely card one time. Anyway, it was one of the best days of my life. Um, but we're not here to talk about John Campbell, Ellie. We're here to talk to you about you. But thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I think that we should probably start by talking about your coming out journey. It's a fairly unusual one. It's more of a kind of a head-on crash, a collision that you really um, had no control over or even that much of a role to play in because you were outed by the media. It was such a, a personal thing that was happening for you and your ability to tell your story how you wanted to tell it. Would you mind talking us through what happened and the impact that had on you? No, I don't mind. I was too terrified to talk about it for a number of years. For many years it kind of loitered like mm. some massive creature from the deep threatening to pop out at me at any time but sometimes the more space you get from an event like that the easier it is to talk about. My husband and I separated and some months later I started began a relationship with Carlene Mm -hmm. and in February 2010 a friend called me and warned me something's gonna break tomorrow. Oh, I have friends in all oh, you've got sorts friends of in all places, the, all the right places. Yes, okay, great. They're the kind of friends I could do with. But, you yeah. know, I'm tapping the side of yeah. my nose right now. Even that night, it was quite traumatic mm. because I had to, I felt I had to ring um, my family, the whanau of my children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. even my ex-mother-in-law and my yeah. ex-sister-in-laws who I was close to uh, and tell them that something was going to be in the papers and the magazines tomorrow and some of it would be true and some of it would not be true Mm. and uh, yeah it basically started then. I had the the experience the next day the Herald on Sunday came out with me on the front page standing in a cafe with everybody reading about my personal life and wanting to um, to just yell at the top of my voice in the middle of a cafe, you know, what you're reading might not necessarily yeah, be true, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah. you can't do that in polite society. So basically what happened was that nobody, none of the journalists involved approached me for comment, um, but I had been followed by paparazzi for about a month, myself and my family. So that was without you knowing? Beforehand, yeah. And then after that there was, you know, people knocking on my neighbours' doors and one of my neighbours <laughs> thought the photographer with all the cameras hanging off him uh, that knocked on his door was a real estate photographer <laughs> and said, oh, yeah, Ali, she lives in the next house down there. So yeah, we, can I have we, a free valuation for my house? But, yeah, yeah, she did, yeah I can tell you everything you like. He had to come and apologise profusely to, for sending the photographer directly to my door. It was terrifying and particularly for very unfair for Carlene 
who Absolutely. had nothing to do with the media before this. This wasn't her issue. No. I would argue it was, wasn't my issue either. But Rachel Glucina actually tried to muscle her way into Carleen's apartment and was very quickly put out on the street. Uh, my wee boy came home from school. He was eight at the time mm. and said that he'd had a long chat to his little mate Andrew and they'd worked out a strategy in case a photographer popped out of the bushes. Sorry, that that part of it still makes me a bit emotional. Oh, well, I'm not so, that's, I mean, that's outrageous. Especially, like you say, it's, it's nothing to do with your children and it's just your private life. Yeah. You know, and it was just... You being in a relationship mm. with somebody else, it shouldn't be anyone mm. else's business. Yeah. And I know that we've got these articles here as well that were in Women's Day packaged to be like you telling the story and saying, yes, I've, I've proposed and all that kind of stuff. But from what I've heard from you, that's all basically completely fabricated. Yes, uh, those stories were run in 2011 uh, after Carleen and I got engaged and we didn't announce the engagement Publicly, we didn't give any interviews. Um, you know, we've kept ourselves pretty private. We've never given an interview, actually. Probably not surprising. And uh, those pictures on the front of New Idea and Women's Day were either file pictures that they had or, in the case of New Idea, they were taken directly off our social media. Those stories were presented dishonestly. They were Absolutely. presented as if I'd given an, an interview and as if all your friends had talked to them as well exactly. about how much in love you were and how Which excited is, you were about the proposal. And uh, that old that old chestnut, the unnamed friend, said, that's all made up. And I guess the Rebel Wilson thing obviously was created a bit of a furore. How did you feel when you read about that? Obviously there are similarities in terms of yes. your story and hers. Well, it evoked some feelings, obviously, but it didn't upset me until a number of journalists contacted me and asked me if I'd talk about it. And I said to all of them, yes, absolutely, I'll talk about it because I can see the parallels. But I'll only talk about it if you go and also talk to the journalists and editors who did this to me 10 years ago. And they all said, oh, yes, 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 good idea, we'll do that. You know, there is a very lazy form of journalism that that I abhor, which means it's easier to get some quotes from me and then run a story connecting it to Rebel Wilson and Bob's your uncle, you've got the clicks. I don't subscribe to that kind of journalism, so I suggested that they go off and get the full story. Do some proper journalism. Yep. It's funny when you've had a traumatic experience and then you have a, a few years where you don't have to think about it. You think... It's gone away. You're healed. You think it's gone away and it's resolved. And then something like that will bring it rushing to the surface again. I had a terrible week. Mm. I was anxious. I had all those kind of trauma responses bubbling up. And I heard nothing from these people that had promised to go and investigate and and then come back to me and get my feelings about it. So you're just left there having to have all these feelings of anxiety. Moving away from the media now, obviously your decision to come out as bisexual was completely taken away from you. Do you think that would have been different for you if the media hadn't got hold of this story? Well, it would have been lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I I can't tell you how different the journey would have been if it hadn't happened this way because it did happen Mm. this way. I mean, I I kind of tried to to take control of it um, some months later at the Queen of the Whole Universe pageant, which I was emceeing, and I made a public statement on stage. And the love in that room, there were 2,000 people in that room, and the love I felt that night was just something that I carry with me in my heart every day. You know, it took a long time to shake off the ridicule uh, Mm. from people like 
Dom Harvey, whom the day after the paper came out in February 2010, went on air with a rap song he'd made up about me that was really belittling and disgusting. Some of these people, for example, Shane Curry at NZME, have since apologised to me. Some have not. There are a lot of things that happen, and without those things, myself and my family would have been able to just quietly get on with life. I had a lot to process as well because this was my first same-sex relationship. And it would have been so much easier for poor Carleen, who was in a newish relationship and suddenly looking around it's going, an awful what lot of pressure. Heck? Yeah, yeah. What have I signed up for? <laughs> right? This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. I just wanted to be in love with someone that I'm in love with. Obviously, you just said that this was your first same-sex relationship, mm-hmm. but you do identify as bisexual, correct? I do now. You do now. Well, do I know? I don't know. I mean, I've been with one woman, and before that I was married to a man, so I don't (laughs) know what I am, mate. Um, But I've got to assume I'm bisexual, right? I'd say if you've been in love with a man and in love with a woman, that would qualify you for bisexual if you want to take that as a label. I'm possibly pansexual. Keep that one open. Yeah. Yeah, 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 as an option. That's an open question. (laughs) And it's a very open answer, which I appreciate. And I think, you know, well, I don't care. I'm not really into, I'm not much into labels. I know some people do cling to these labels for good reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of their identity. I don't have to have a... A label. I'm a. I'm other things. As a, you know, lots of other things. I'm a journalist, and I am a broadcaster, and I'm a mum, um, an advocate. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I don't. I, I don't really like to put a label on myself. I am cognizant of how that can sometimes sound like a bit of a cop out. But, um, I think it, but it's true. Yeah, and I think it isn't. Even with even with this podcast, for instance, you know, it's that whole thing of tell us about your coming out story. It's like. Why are we the ones in it having to come out and tell the story to make it more palatable for other people who don't understand? Mm, you know, mm. so so we have to say we're going to come out, which means we're already saying identify ourselves as, ourselves as different or for whatever reason, and that's just because we're not the norm. But then, what is the norm? Mm. I mean, does that even exist anymore? Yeah, I think that what I learned in the months after what happened to me happened. And I didn't even know, I was so new to the whole thing, Karen, that I didn't even know this at the time. What should happen yes. is that you, the person uh, who is coming out, gets to make all the decisions around that, Absolutely. right? Yes, yes. Uh, I didn't even know that at the time. I was just like too traumatised. Um, but it's up to you to make the decision about who you tell and when and the Absolutely. nature of that and the support you have around you. And that was the worst thing, that that was just taken away from Take you. it away. How did your family and those around you respond to the fact that you had found someone new, a new partner who you thought was fantastic? How did that go? With absolutely no fuss. You know, even my father, yeah. who is in his 80s now and, in, and at the time I suppose was in his mid-70s, he, early 70s, he um, is a big, six foot five, hard drinking Australian journalist. He describes himself as uh, to the right of Genghis Khan in politics. He's the guy that you would expect maybe some trouble from. I think I saw him raise his eyebrows a tiny little bit when he first heard. But apart from that, the kids, my friends, my parents, my sisters, well, ultimately, those people will just want you to be happy, don't they? Yes. You find that people are more kind and and loving 
than the media expects them to be. You know, if you've got a really supportive network around mm. you saying, we don't actually care, we mm. don't give a shit, this is just mm. Ali and this is who she's in love with, whatever. Mm. What about any of your colleagues? Were they all great? Yeah. Well, that's actually, good. they were. Um, a lot of them uh, worked very hard to protect me as well. And I don't mean protect me as in subvert the efforts of other journalists, but just, you know, look after me. I mean, there was a bit of gossip going on before it all broke mm. uh, around TVNZ because I was still there at the time. Yeah. But generally, everybody was terrific. There was one woman who was head of comms at TVNZ at the time who said something quite homophobic to me in a crisis comms meeting about it. Uh, and I, I just got up and walked out. And I said, I'm not listening to this. And I just walked out. Good call. Cool. But generally, you know, um, if I need to name check anybody, Brent McAnalty, who was um, chief legal counsel at the time, was a fantastic support. But it is interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, obviously even with being on Wellington Paranormal, it, you know, in my role as Officer O'Leary, it's amazing how many times my sexuality as a character has been brought up in terms of being something that might be concerning for either the network that it's playing on or that kind of thing. It's like, well, we haven't asked about Minogue sexuality. No. but it's And why is having a obviously openly gay character on TV, you know, and, you know, even the comments that get put in like, oh, but it's a it's a family show and children will be watching it. So, Hello. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We can't let children watch lesbians on TV because who knows what's going to happen. So, you know, does it, it doesn't even make any sense. I don't know where these people come from. Neither do I. They still have so much impact. Well, the they do. And it reminds you, it, it brings you up with a jolt, right? Because yep. you think, here we are. Like, I genuinely thought that what happened to Rebel Wilson mm. and by parallel what happened to me yes. wouldn't happen anymore because my no. situation was 10 years ago. Yeah. And Which actually is a I, long time in the scheme of time. Yeah, yeah. And, and attitudes have moved on enormously. You know, my daughter and my son's cohort have grown up with trans kids in their class yeah. and they've all got gay mates and, you know, if, if this is being completely open-minded and accepting is utterly normal for them. Absolutely. I had hoped that things had moved on massively in the last 10 years, but I, it's kind of been proved wrong in the last... We while. I feel like often as well, with lots of different things, not just with the sexuality stuff, but, you know, you feel like you're getting somewhere and then you look at what happens in America with Roe v. Wade and you just think, mm. we're still going in completely backwards. Mm. You get to sort of one little tiny step forward and then massive people that, I don't know what they're thinking or where they got educated, but they just um, pull you right back. Terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. When you started a relationship with Carleen, we're not going to call you bisexual, we're going to call you Ally. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Did anything change internally for you in terms of how you felt as a person, or was it just like, well, this is just someone I'm, someone else that I'm in love with? Like, was there any well, conscious of- thinking about... Okay, Both of those now. things, actually, Karen, because, yes, my headline thought, my top-line thought was this is just a person 
that I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. And the gender honestly didn't matter. This was a new experience for me. And I spent probably a couple of weeks processing it. You know, it was some months after my marriage had broken up and it was unexpected, completely unexpected. But exciting, surely. Oh, massively. I mean, I I processed it quickly, but it was intense. I did quite a lot of reading because I wanted to understand what I was going through. So what what kinds of things did you read? Um, Well, there's a a very learned book, and it's not an easy read, um, by a Professor Lisa Diamond. Mm. Um, It's on female fluid sexuality, right? basically. And I had a little look into the Kinsey scale and had a chat with some of my friends who were very smart about how I was feeling. There was never any issue or roadblocks for me. I was just thinking, wow, what is this? You know, what is this that I'm going through? What what is happening? And interesting as well, obviously you you are a very, very smart person who obviously knows a lot about a lot of things. Oh, kia Well, I just thought well, that's just the impression I get. I could be completely wrong. I don't know. You I haven't checked with your friends. I'll check with your friends and they'll give me a direct quote and I'll find out if it's true or not. Uh, yeah. Yay, it's yeah, proper yeah. journalism. Yeah, yeah. Ellie's friends say she's actually really smart. Yeah, <laughs> that's a quote. Um, interesting to me, obviously you, well, this is what I'm, the impression I'm getting. You just followed what your heart and your body was telling you in terms of who you, you were in love with, but then you also went away to read more about it so that you could learn more about it for yourself, was that? Do you think? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, I wanted to understand. Uh, this is what I tend to. I'm a journalist. Yes. What you, can I tell you? I've been a journalist research, since I was like out. 18 yeah. years old, yeah. and that's a lot. That's many decades ago now. And uh, so my instinct is always to find right, out about this. Open the laptop <laughs> yeah, yeah. and what start digging into yeah, it. Yeah. What do yeah. I need to know about this yeah. in order to do a really good job of it? And none of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so good. And none of it changed the way I felt. Obviously. Yeah. A lot of people assumed that this would this was some kind of flash in the pan. Yeah, and that in fact, some people said to my face, some friends said, you know, this will be it's okay to have a short term, you know, whatever. Just you, you kind of midlife crisis. Yeah. Don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Point for, you know, yeah. you've obviously broken yeah. up with you. So your, more than a decade later, in terms of being someone that is open to being in relationships with males or females, mm-hmm. people that do identify as bisexual. Often, I think, to get a bit of a bad rap, and it's interesting, even in the couple of chats that I've had, a lot of people who identify now as gay use being bisexual as their sort of gateway transitional statement in order to soften the blow for when they actually came out as gay. You know, so oh, I'm, maybe I'm bisexual. Oh, no, actually, I'm gay. What impact do you think this has on people who are bisexual? Because I think, actually, they can get a bit of a hard time, don't you? I do feel that kind of under the surface, it remains one of the more vilified categories, if yep. you want to call it. It sounds so clinical, doesn't it? Why do you it? think it's that is? Category. Yeah. Uh, I think that there is a strong sense of, why don't you just make up your mind? Yeah. So greedy, wanting to play both sides of the equation. It's ridiculous though, isn't it? It's not like- <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's the old joke, why would you limit yourself to 50% of the population? Uh, I, I just think people like to find a way to judge. And yep. and I do think that bisexuality is very poorly understood. Yeah. Um, and we know now that uh, thanks to the fantastic work done recently by the Human Rights Commission, mm-hmm. uh, who released a big survey on sexual harassment and bullying, yep. um, the first one 
of its kind, actually, uh, just a couple of months ago. They came up with some hair-raising statistics about sexual harassment and they found that bisexual people and the disabled were more than any other group of people likely to be harassed and bullied. So, I mean, it is – we, we may joke about it, you and me, Karen, but it is a, no, yeah. a, a really serious issue. And I, and I know societal change rolls out slowly. Yes. Right? Incredibly. I mean, how many years ago was homosexual law reform? 86? Yeah, 86, I yeah. think, yeah. yeah. But you and I and others – who've been, might have been stigmatised or harmed by societal attitudes, a left here drumming our fingers and saying, come on, come on, you know, when, when are things going to change um, so that everybody is fully accepted? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've made a, such a good point. And, and even, you know, for me, I feel like I do have a role to play as a positive advocate for just the way I am and the way I want to live. And it shouldn't be a big issue. Oh, um, it's quite a heavy burden to carry sometimes, though. Sometimes it is. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I've got massive shoulders. You can see, look, I'm, so, I'm the size of your dad, basically. <laughs> You're a giant of a <laughs> personality. Thank you very much. And I will take those very kind words and I will thank you incredibly for coming in and chatting and being so open and oh, so marvellous been... and just so learned. You are learned. No, thank your friends you. are all right. I'm very old. You, um, you don't look I've old. I've had a lot of time to be learned to become learned. Well, um, it's every, been day's such a, a every day's a school day, you know. We're yeah. always learning. That's so true. And if you're not, you should just drop out probably. Yeah. No, no. It's yeah. such a pleasure and I'm a big fan. Can I say that right at the end now? A fan I'm of a what? huge fan of you. Oh, well, that's now, don't you make me, I was already nervous and excited and now I'm just <laughs> probably going to wee my pants. Um, and on that note, we're going to say goodbye to Ali Moore. She's been fantastic and um, I hope you have such a nice rest of your day and week and oh, life. Thank you. Kaki de. This was Full Disclosure. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is created by Kate Langdon and produced by Kate Langdon and Mark E. Hire, with audio mixed by Jess Valor and original music by Eilish Wilson. You're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing offence there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.